Hello, friends, and welcome to this very special episode of On Grace. I am sitting across the desk from the two men. You didn't know this, but in uh, the sitcom series The Golden Girls, there were two gentlemen that lived next door, the Silver Men. I did not know that. Yeah, and I am with them, Wendell Van Valen <laughs> and Wayne Hunter, the Silver Men. Silver is less valuable than gold, correct? Depends on the market, but I would say that's <laughs> generally true. So, and I guess that's why we don't know who they are. That's right. Where are our royalty checks from Hollywood? That's a good question. I mean, yep. we're sp- ah. I think they wrote you off the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but is it seriously, I learned this, that on the pilot episode, they did have a neighbor. It, it was um, a gay man. Because uh-huh. they were they were in Miami, I think, right? Yeah, they were in Miami, right. somewhere in Florida. And they had a a, a gay male a Latino neighbor, uh-huh. and uh, he did not test well with audiences, so they wrote him off and brought on uh, Sophia. Is that is that the older one? Yeah, the I don't know, but I know the older woman. Yeah, yeah they uh, like she was she was not supposed to be a main cast character, right. but she tested well. She tested well, yeah. and so they brought her in and eliminated. Yeah. Well, I, I don't remember the dude's name, but right. yeah, there you go. It must have been Wendell or Wayne. It was, but yeah. <laughs> Fresh news to me. That's brand new to me. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. <laughs> I had something on my mind we should talk about today, but now I don't know. <laughs> um, last week, we talked a little bit about um, the way we see life through certain lenses and um do we look at it critically? Do we look at it analytically? Whatever. And, and so we're kind of tweaking that idea just a little bit this week in talking about um, seeing life the way your tribe has taught you to see it. If you were raised in certain parts of the country, you have a, search, a certain uh, cultural upbringing. Uh, it may be racial. It could be political. It could be theological. Um, it... it could be um, gender oriented. It could be value oriented. It could be whether you drive a Ford or a Chevy. I don't know, but you, there are certain lenses that you see life through. And if all you do is hang with people from your tribe, from your area, from your persuasion, um, you all walk outside, and uh, Billy Bob says the sky's purple. And since everybody's from the same tribe, they look up and say the sky's purple. And somebody comes along from another tribe, and they say, "Oh no, it's it's green or mm-hmm. whatever." And right. and now they're a bad person because they saw it as green. Well, that's the way the people from his tribe see it. Right. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of evidence that shows that our tendency is, I think, well, twofold. One is we tend to uh, birds of a feather flock mm-hmm. together. We tend to become friends and have relationships with people who agree with us already. Uh, and I forgot what the other point was. <laughs> oh, anything, any information we hear, we tend to interpret it as affirming what we already believe. Yes. No matter what it is. Yeah. Even if it is contrary, we find some way either to dismiss it, or what is it that confirmation syndrome or something like that? Yeah. That whatever we new, even if it's new information, it goes through that that filter of tribalism or our group that somehow twist it around to where it confirms what we already believe yeah but you know and and when we think about um offering grace to people being present with them and 
intentionally uh, involved in the, in the moment with them. That means that we have to hear what they have to say. Not, And we've talked about listening a good bit, this idea that actually hearing what they are saying, not what we expect them to say. Or want them to say. Right. Or need them to say. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I mean, you might as well talk about, we might as well get specific. Um, we have people who we know who just will blatantly talk about the gays or the homos or the queers or whatever. And you want to say, do you know anybody mm-hmm. in that lifestyle? Do you know anybody personally? Right. We have people slamming the Democrats or slamming the Republicans. When's the last time you sat down for an hour over a cup of coffee with somebody of the opposite political persuasion mm-hmm. and just talked? Right. Didn't try to persuade. Yeah. Didn't try to convince. Just where are you coming from? Right. Why do you Why do you vote the way you vote? I don't. I don't want to change it. I just. Right. Re- I'm c- very curious as to why you vote the way you. Right. Yeah. Tell me your story. You know. Right. And I think there's it's kind of um, revealing in that if I know you are a Democrat or a Republican, uh, or gay or straight or whatever it is, I already have these ideas of who you are in my head. Yes. That it's really hard for you to shake once I have a, that opinion formed based on my lens or my group's opinion of you. Um, And so if we could somehow develop relationships with people first and then uh, have those conversations, I think that that is part of what grace is about, is that we intentionally create relationships with people. uh, And then we begin to explore what they can teach us and what we can teach them and how we can can become what we were intended to become. Yeah. it's, It's like we've deified patriotism. Right. But in so doing, we have shrunk it down to nothing. Right. Like a pro wrestling patriotism. Yes. You have what? to be for that pro wrestler or nobody yeah. else. Like oh, a, a, yeah, like a pro <laughs> wrestling patriot. Like there's no, there's no nuance. I see. I'll, you know, I'll walk out carrying the flag. Okay. You know, my trunks, my tights have the, the flag right. on them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Never going to say anything bad about America. There's no nuance. Right. You know, it's yeah. uh yeah, pro res- a pro <laughs> wrestling <laughs> patriotism. Yeah. 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 It's like crucifying the guy that kneels during the the um, national anthem. Yeah. He is exercising his form of patriotism. And yeah. and and yet no that's not my form of patriotism right. so yeah. I can't yeah, I can't abide by that. It's disrespectful to blah 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 by my tribe's definition. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's this the sense in which we we interpret any criticism to be unpatriotic that you can't question what is, and we do that with any group I think we're part of, uh, our tendency is to to want to continue things as they are. And, you know, we say that every that change is good, but we really don't like change. We want things to stay the same. We want them to be familiar and stable. But nothing grows if it doesn't change. Nothing improves if it doesn't change. Nothing uh, becomes better. And the whole, we've talked a lot about the idea of discovery discoveries are amazing when they change us not just because they show us something new or we have a different experience but when they become something that changes our perspective or our actions or relationships in some way is there a sense that um, if someone is different if someone has a different view of patriotism or politics or religion or or any of these um, kind of hot buttons. Yeah, any, any I, I would even say like e- any of these things that I draw identity from. Yeah, like I draw yeah. identity from being 
American. I draw identity from being from being Christian. I draw identity from being LGBTQ or or straight or whatever. Um, and so when when there's someone that disagrees with that, right. is there a sense that you're you're not just you're not just disagreeing with my opinion like the University of Louisville was better than the University of Kentucky mm-hmm. or that Auburn is better than Alabama? <laughs> I knew that. I knew that. Get a laugh. To, he's trying to push your hot buttons, but I'm not yeah. falling for it. There's no way. Um, like, is there a sense where those things become threatening? Like, if you disagree with me, right. you're not just disagreeing with necessarily like a point of view. You're disagreeing with a thing that I draw identity from, for yeah. rightly or wrongly, right. where, where I draw right. draw identity from. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, it, in in Pathway, we're in a series right now on codependency. And this Sunday night, we're literally going to talk about cultural codependency, which is mm-hmm. this, that I don't really know who I am apart from my cultural identity. Be it for a basketball team, football team, political part, doesn't matter. From the, tri- from the tribe you identify with. That's, I'm, I'm, I don't know who I am outside that tribe. Okay. Yeah. yeah and, and, and I think a cultural identity is so valuable. Right. But I, I think it is so damaging if we don't know who we are outside that tribe. We, I have to know who I am when I'm just standing in front of the mirror. Yeah. What is my character? What are what are my values? What are you know? Yeah. Yeah. Your cultural identity creates uh, it creates a, a a structure for you to hang your identity on, but it also creates walls. Mm-hmm. I am this. I am not that. Put you in a box. Put you in yeah. a box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 then does that force you to identify others as within your box or within your community or have to. or uh, beyond right. it? Us and them, kind yeah, of thing. yeah. And that you. whole herd herd mentality uh, is that the herd criticizes or crucifies anybody who drops below or rises above either one. Is conformity is what they want. They don't want you to uh, be less than the group, but they don't want you to be more than the group either. Mm. And so there's that that pressure to stay within the box and within the boundaries and if you don't live within in in the box then even your own group applies pressure on you to get back in let me let me ask a question uh you're about to say something though Wendell. well uh, um i think that's why they killed jesus he was better than they could tolerate yeah and he, he wasn't worse he was better right and that's what that happened to martin luther king that's yeah. what happened to so many in history. They were better than the tribe could right. tolerate. Yeah. So they just eliminated them. Yeah. Go ahead. No, my question is, and this, we didn't talk about this, so this might be a little more personal than y'all want to get, but um, I think all three of us, though, maybe you, you, you all more than me, have been, like, have felt the, the pain of not conforming to community. Mm-hmm. Like, you've felt the, the, the pain of... Ostracization. That'll work. Being ostracized. <laughs> We're not ostracized. Being an ostrich. Of, of, of being ostracized, of being um, like pressured by the community mm-hmm. to conform. Right. And ult- ultimately, that, that resulted in some significant changes for yeah. both of y'all. Right. But in the midst, you found each other. Yeah. Right. But the. the I think it was, I don't know, it was, it was a mutual thing. On I mean, you're not asking for our stories, but for my case, and I think Wayne's too, it, it was a mutual thing where they couldn't tolerate me anymore, but I really couldn't, I couldn't drink the Kool-Aid anymore. Mm. I couldn't tolerate being in 
or, or play acting or acting like I was part of the group when everything inside me said, I'm a fish out yeah. of water here. It's just not right. working at right. all. Yeah. So it kind of mutually worked. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there was, uh, there was both of those for me too, but ultimately it was the group that made the decision for me not to be in it anymore. So, I, <laughs> well, I guess they, me too, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, that's it. That, that experience. And I think there's, um, there are a lot of people who, who, who have misgivings about the group they're in, but it's really difficult to, to listen to those in your own head and your own heart right when everybody around you is is trying to keep you in the box and and you know i like to be liked and i and to be part of the group and be affirmed and so i've got my own heart fighting with me and then i have the pressure from outside uh, but still this this voice that says there's something different or there's something's more or, or something's not right whatever that voice is that that we we recognize the group we are part of is causing us uh, to be blind to something or to miss something. I, this is getting off on a tangent, but maybe it's not a tangent. But we left the group together, and 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 I gave Wayne permission to ask crazy questions, and he gave me permission to ask crazy questions, and so we came up with some new discoveries together. And, and and it it really makes me think that there's something to Jesus sending out the disciples two by two. There's something to be said about partnership. That you, it's not that you form a new tribe, but it's it's a whole lot easier to get out of a tribe if you have somebody to link arms with. Um, if you look at people coming out of cults or ultra ultra strict religions, um, they like a buddy. They like to to get out with a with a buddy and the, the if you here's here's the thing with me if you don't think you're in a tribe that is radical and possessive try leaving just try leaving see what happens it, it healthy tribes will say go with our blessing you know yeah but if, if you're in an unhealthy tribe whether it's political Religious, no, no matter what it is, if you're in an unhealthy tribe, try leaving. Just try leaving and see what happens. Yeah. Or maybe it's enough just to ask questions about the group's assumptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see how that's received. Yeah. Well, they see that as leaving. Yeah, right. That's how they interpret it. Yeah. This is, um, this will lead to a question. One time on Twitter, I shared my displeasure with the Utah Jazz coach. Mm-hmm. And essentially said that I had given up on the team and would no longer watch games. And you would have thought that I had said that uh, I'm going to burn the the stadium down. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I mean, people came at me like, uh-huh. oh, you're you're not a fan. You're right. you're yeah. you're really not. You never were really a fan. Right. And it's like, yo, I, I named my son after a Utah <laughs> Jazz player. So don't don't yeah. don't come at me with that. Right. Yeah. So my my question is. I mean, as dumb as that, it, as dumb as it was, mm-hmm. there was some pain with that. Right. You know, it was like, yeah. no, you, no, yeah. like we're, you're my crew. Right. So for y'all, like, was was there pain in no longer drinking the Kool Aid, as you said? I mean, I know you all had each other, but was there pain in the process of you all leaving and 
how does how does that pain maybe keep people from leaving or or keep people from allowing the yeah. scales to fall out, fall from their eyes uh yeah for me there was pain there was a, a sense of rejection uh and to be honest a fear that I was a heretic you know that this group uh agreed and I disagreed somebody you know is is wrong uh here and uh maybe I'm that person so there was some fear and some pain too uh and and a sense of uh being um not off course but at loose ends kind of not tethered maybe hmm. Um, I would. I'd had no regrets whatsoever. <laughs> I, I, my my story was a little different from Wayne's. Um, I mean, if we're going to get personal, I I got into pornography. I got into alcoholism for a while to make the break radical. I'm not saying it was right. I don't recommend anybody do that. But that's what happened to me. And so, kind of when I woke up from that stupor, I was ready for something positive and good. And so I was in a situation where I could find it readily and I found people who were positive and good. And um, so the reconstruction was pretty... Um, uh, <laughs> Wayne faced his misgivings. I numbed <laughs> I just, I numbed them, yeah. you know. And, and uh, it wasn't a long period of time, but it was long enough to make a break, clean break, and when I woke up from the stupor, it's like I wouldn't go back to that for a million dollars. There's no way. Yeah. So my my story was a little different than his. Even though we had each other, yeah. we dealt with it in a different way. Thanks for listening to this episode of On Grace. My name is Jason Brown, and I've been hanging out with Wendell Van Valen and Wayne Hunter. We work together at Broadway United Methodist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky. To find out more about Broadway, please visit us at Broadway United dot org